0: the church he is risen one more time he is risen i'm sorry i lied one more time He he is risen what i love about this activity is that you start to get to the point where there's not a whole lot of cross left and there's just the flowers and the prayers and the praises of the people of god amen that that, that, that there's this behind this, this Roman device of torturous execution is actually the love of God. And there's the love of God shown through it. And that through the Spirit of God, the people of God cover the cross and live through the cross and see life through the cross. And at this time... We're going to do a stand and greet in a moment. But at this time, I would ask the congregation to please stand for the reading of the word of God. Now, on the first day of the week, that's important. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran... And went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to him, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb, and both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. And went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head. Not lying with the linen clothes. But folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first. Also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their home. Brothers and sisters, all flesh is grass, and the beauty of that grass is like the flower of a field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this, the word of our Lord, which speaks of the cross and the empty tomb, this word of our God endures. Amen? Amen. Would you please stand and greet somebody with He is risen? Good morning once again. Friends. We are gathered together today to celebrate resurrection because the tomb is empty and he is risen. And for those of you who are grammatically inclined, you might wonder why we don't say he has risen. I suppose that would be all right to say, but to say he is risen implies that Jesus who was three days ago dead, I mean really dead, has been raised and continues to this day to be risen. Saying he has risen kind of speaks of a historic event, but saying that he is risen speaks of a current reality. Being risen defines who Jesus is, and since it defines who Jesus is, it therefore defines who we are. Amen? Once the chains of sin that held us back from being who we were created to be, were removed, but now he is risen. Because he is risen, this resurrection defines your very existence. It defines my very existence. For you and I are now welcomed into a life of freedom. Paul says in Galatians, for it is freedom that you were set free. It is because God desired for you A life of freedom, a a life in union with him, that your sins being forgiven, that he offers you a life that allows you to truly be you. This Jesus who died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine, and now because the tomb is empty, we are called to follow his resurrection lead and are now offered new life in him. So, we've been working through this letter of Galatians, and at the end of the book of Galatians, Paul says, as for me, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord uh, Jesus, the Messiah, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, this past Friday night, we talked about how the truth of the cross it isn't just knowledge that, needs, that belongs in my head It is the love from God that belongs in my heart. The cross is now the centerpiece of the faith. My chains are gone. I've been set free. I've been set free to respond to the love that God has shown me by reflecting that love back into the world. But Paul goes on. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says this funny thing that if you've read the rest of Galatians, it makes sense. But uh, if you haven't, it's kind of a funny thing. He says, circumcision, you you see, is nothing and neither is uncircumcision. So we've been discovering over the past six weeks that there have been some in the Galatian church community who are telling new Christians that there were certain religious things that they needed to do in order to be true Christians. And Paul has no time for that. You see, the work has been done. The price has been paid. There is nothing that you and I ever need to do in order to earn God's love. Circumcision was a Jewish custom that marked out the people of God as the people of God. It was a physical custom in the Old Testament. But now, in Jesus' A new day has dawned, a new covenant has dawned, and the love shown on the cross and the new life offered and the resurrection are available to all of us beyond the confines of religion. Paul says circumcision, uncircumcision, that's not what matters. He says what matters is new creation." Pick any religious ritual, even Christian ones. Uh, Going to church, reading your Bible, joining a small group, serving the poor. Please hear me when I say that all of those things are excellent responses to God's love. It's good for you to do those things, but not because God is keeping score. What matters first and foremost is new creation because it was for freedom that we've been set free. Paul is saying that in Christ, you're a whole new creature. He goes on by saying peace and mercy to everyone who lines up by this standard. Yes, on God's Israel. Oh, Paul, that's some controversial language though, isn't it? Israel was God's chosen people. But sometimes we forget that Israel was chosen in order that they might be a blessing to the world. In Galatians, Paul showed us that Jesus was how God fulfilled Israel's calling to bless the world. Jesus, you see, was, was Israel's representative Messiah, and that's a heavy phrase for Easter Sunday. But let me unpack that for you a bit. You see, Israel was God's chosen people, given a mission to bless the world. Jesus was like the true Israelite the one who lived out that mission, the one who lived out what it meant to be Israel. And Paul says that that Jesus was so obedient to this mission, so obedient to that calling, that he went straight into the dark cave of death itself and came out through the other side. So Jesus is Israel's representative, but he's also the Messiah The Messiah means the anointed one. What that means is that this resurrected Jesus is King. Have you ever wondered what it looks like when God is King? Friends, we're gathered here today to remind each other that what it looks like when God is King is a cross and an empty tomb. Have you ever wondered what it looks like for us to be citizens of God's kingdom? It looks like a cross and an empty tomb, or to use different language, it used like, it looks like us reflecting the love and freedom offered to us back into the world for the sake of the world, for God's glory. John records that one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was, it is finished. And that's a funny kind of word, finished. Obviously, we can think of it as Jesus being finished with the ordeal of the crucifixion or even being finished with his earthly life or his earthly ministry, but it might remind us of something else, something a little bit more. Way back in the book of Genesis, after God had crafted creation, it says this, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. It's interesting to see that when you read the Gospel of John, what we just read a few minutes ago, John um, starts to number Jesus' miracles in such a way that it seems to be a nod towards like the first, second, third days of creation. So that on the cross, when Jesus says, "'It is finished,' and then rests on the Sabbath day. It's as if God is finished with the old covenant. God is finished with the old creative order. And then when John tells the story of the resurrection in John 20, he makes a special point as we saw earlier. Twice he says, he tells us that it was the first day of the week Signifying that the resurrection is the first miracle of the first day of a new creation that you and I are living right now. So, as the old creation gives way to new creation, the law gives birth to, gives way to the life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. The mark of circumcision gives way uh, to a life marked by faith in Christ. In the old creation, we looked back because of humanity's perfect union with God and the garden was broken by the fall. And when, when this happened, heaven and earth itself were separated. And as we said before, God's call to Israel was a rescue mission to save the world that, that culminated in the cross. But, but all of that was a response to that separation of heaven and earth. That is, until the turning point of the cross... When Jesus said those words, it is finished. Now in this new creation, we're not looking back anymore. In the new creation, we're looking forward. And what are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to the reunification, the marriage of heaven and earth. In the end of the book of Revelations, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain any more, for the former things have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne saying, Behold, I make all things new. That is why the resurrection matters. That is why Easter matters. The resurrection is the first fruits of a new creation that will culminate with the reunification of heaven and earth itself. And now if you leave here today and you hear nothing else, I want to dispel three lies about the truth of this new creation. The first lie is that the new creation is about going to heaven when you die. There are several times in the New Testament when writers mention something to the effect about being in heaven or paradise, as Jesus said, when we die. But we have to be careful not to make that the point. The point, as we just saw in Revelation, is the cosmic reconciliation of all things. The point is not about you and I getting a ticket to heaven when we die. It's not about you and I getting fire insurance. It's not about us going away from this world to some heavenly realm that's up there. It's about God setting his rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray that. In the Lord's Prayer, he taught us to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That's why the resurrection matters. And that leads us to a second lie. A lie that says that the point of being a Christian is about what happens then at the end of my life. Jesus repeatedly said that the kingdom of heaven, it was at hand, it was in your midst, it was, it was within your grasp. Being a Christian, is it's not about getting my ticket punched in order that I might be a part of God's new creation one day in the future. Instead, it's about an invitation to live a new creation life today. The church has fallen for this lie so hard, and it's, it's heartbreaking because we have been blessed by God so overwhelmingly. The reason why you and I have been blessed is order that we might be a blessing to others, that we might love our neighbors as ourselves. We've been um, sacrificially served by our God. Therefore, let us serve sacrificially Others. To be able to hear that though, following in God's new creation playbook, it begins with a personal decision though, to follow Christ towards his kingdom. And that leads us to one final lie one that says that the closer you get to God, the farther away you get from yourself. Sometimes people meet the Lord and then they give their lives to Jesus. And they become a Christian, and just like the Apostle Paul did, it creates this kind of radical change in their character, and their friends might say, man, it's like I don't even know you anymore. That change, it's good, but I think that one of the marks of living life in the new creation is that you were creating, is that you're becoming more you than ever before. It's not that you're becoming less you. It's becoming. It's that you're becoming more yourself. You are a son or a daughter of your Father in heaven. You were created in His image to know and to love Him and to know and love others. You were created for a reason in Christ. You were created to be the person you were created to be, and in Christ you could be that person. You're not becoming less yourself. You're becoming more yourself. You're becoming more a new creation. So, what does it look like for us to to live out this new creation reality? And first of all, I think it looks exactly like what we're doing today. It looks like celebrating. We are celebrating the truth that the story of all creation, has turned a corner at the cross, and we are now living a resurrected life in Christ. Now, I have no problems with living into like standard Easter traditions. Um, I loved, when I was a kid, I loved Easter baskets. Um, so, I just was out of curiosity, the kids that are in the room, I just was like, you could shout out, what is your favorite Easter candy? Shout it out. Reese's eggs. You say Reese's eggs? Kit Kats, okay. What else? Gummy bears, gummy gummy beans. Who actually likes Peeps? Anybody? Like two or three of us. Yeah, I wonder how the Peep people stay in business, but every year they do. You know what's that? Cadbury eggs. Very good. Today I will get. Mary Sue Easter eggs, absolutely. I, I'm personally, I'm a peanut butter egg guy. Uh, I, I I'm almost guarantee you that my mother, my mother will be giving me a, a boatload of uh, Reese's peanut butter eggs this afternoon, and I'm looking forward to that. Every year she does, yeah. You know. So, and at dinner this afternoon, my mom will make a ham with vegetables and a baked potato casserole and and deviled eggs, and we'll have carrot cake and all kinds of delicious stuff. And before dinner, the kids will have like an Easter egg hunt. Did you know that Easter eggs, they symbolize the empty tomb with like a lively treat inside, which is like Jesus. Our homes are decorated with flowers and bright colors, and we wear nice spring clothes, and we spend time with family and friends. And, And these normal traditions of Easter, I think that they're great, I just think we need more of it. The day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and the launching of a whole new creation bursting forth right here in the midst of this one deserves even more than your best Easter ham. Easter is a major festival of the Christian year. It deserves to be celebrated by a season of feasts and parties and games and raucous behavior, you know, raucous behavior. Yes, I said rocks. We can be inspired and informed by the traditions of the church over the past 2,000 years. But, you know, that doesn't mean we need to be limited by them. Like, I wonder, like, what are the Easter traditions that you have been inspired to start in your family, in your extended family, or in your church? Because celebrating Easter is only the beginning. If resurrection is reality, then it means that we're called to be a people uh, shaped by it. In a very real sense, our lives now need to be shaped by the resurrection because it is the source of our life and our hope for the future. Sure, we'll go back to work tomorrow or the next day or eventually, but I just wonder, what does it look like for you personally to live a life of celebration of the resurrection, of new life, of new creation right now and in your particular environments where God takes you throughout the day It also means that our community is shaped by this. Um, We're going to take communion in a few minutes. And our communion table is one that's open to all who call and confess the name of Jesus as Lord. Um, But it's a communion. It's a community thing, the Lord's table. It's something that we do together together. It's something that we do as a resurrection-shaped community. We remind ourselves that, that Christ's body and his blood have been poured out for us and that in him and him alone, we have new life. So the bread is unleavened. There's also gluten-free crackers. And uh, all of the uh, wine or all of the, the, um, the, the cup today is uh, grape juice. So uh, I know that there's lots of kids in the room uh, there's, it's all grape juice today, there's no wine. So um, after coming forward, I'll ask you to take the elements back to your seat where we will take them together. Um, first though, I'll ask everyone to stand and join as churches throughout the centuries have done in the reading of the Nicene Creed.